This is a Brain Tools Tools episode, a 20-minute cutback version of our full podcast where you walk away with six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you want more of the neuroscience and research behind the tools, you can find the full version of this episode on Spotify, iTunes, and at the link below. But for now, it's time to get your six brain tools. Awesome. And now we move into our favorite part of this, and I'm sure everyone else's favorite part, which is brain tools. We're going to get incredibly practical right now um, and look at how do you actually form a good habit? Like what are some really tangible things you can do immediately after to actually get this stuff done? And the context I want to provide for these six brain tools, as we always do, we like the, the number six, Sam and I, is a quote by Albert Einstein. Notice, I've only got one quote today, Sam. Only one. Oh, give it to me. <laughs> which is, compounding is the greatest mathematical discovery of all time by Albert Einstein. Now, the thing that he always talks about and we talk about, humans have an ability to always think linearly. We always do that in reality. We're not very good at thinking exponentially. And the whole idea, if you think of habits as the currency of self-improvement, which is if you get 1% better every single day across the next 365 days, you end up 37 times better than you were at the start. But if you get 1% worse through bad habits every single day for the rest of the year, you get close to zero. Mm. And the whole idea here is to understand that habits are tiny and small changes that compound exponentially. Trying to reach for the stars is not important. Let's just reach for the sky first and build our way up in a nice ladder. And this idea forms quite nicely into my first brain tool, um, which is one, perform a habit scorecard. And I'll be- Perform a habit scorecard. Okay. Scoring. And this comes from uh, a book uh, that I've read, James Clear, Atomic Habits. There's a few things that come from this. But his idea here and what it is, is taking an audit of all the habits you currently have, no matter big or small. Brushing your teeth, that's a habit. Having a shower, that's a habit. Commuting to work, that's a habit. Speaking to your friends, that's another habit. And the whole idea here is you list all the habits, no matter how big or small you have, And then you actually categorize them as to whether you feel they are a positive, a neutral, or a negative influence in your life. And that visual picture of quickly doing that, when I did it, I had ended up being about 30, 31 different habits and categorizing it to see, hey, there's more pluses than minuses. There's less of this, there's less of that, becomes really, really interesting moving forward uh, to actually do it and categorizing it according to those identities of whether it's wealth, whether it's to do with money, whether it's to do with other things, becomes a really tangible thing that you can do. Wow. So it's almost, it's almost like a plot, like a pros and cons of habits. Spot on. Have a picture, a instant snapshot of where you are yeah. actually at. So you actually understand how many habits you have. Cause you spoke about those unconscious habits, write them down. Yeah. And that is Make my first brain. Boo. I like it. I like it a lot. It's uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. So you were just about to say powerful, weren't you? <laughs> I was about to say powerful. Uh, but we're refraining from saying powerful as often as I usually say powerful because it doesn't become powerful if you overuse powerful, apparently, power, power, which is not powerful. Um, that's great. It's a great way of visualizing it, which I'd never really thought of before. And so you actually went out and, and drew them, drew them all out by hand. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, got, you know, how I love my tables. I just got a table. I said, what's the habit category? Number one habit, whether it's plus or minus and what category it comes to. And you almost have an understanding of what percentage of your habits are dedicated to health, wealth, exercise, as we said, which I know works really interesting in terms of your brain tools. When you speak about the different studies you've done as well, in terms of uh, 
uh, the, the the ancients when they went into their habit formation. Yeah, it really does. Uh, that's that's so so useful for really getting a picture of where you are, and it leads really well into brain tool number two. The what I'm about to talk about, which is how do you help ensure that these good habits you you now have actually happen? How do you make sure you you do what you're gonna say you're gonna do? And the the really simple way you do that is you create this if then plan. Oh, and I like this. Plan, I like where this is going. Yeah, really, really like amazing stuff that uh, a lot of the big names in the habit space, Charles Duhigg, James Clear, they all talk about this. BJ the if then plan. Yeah, read his blog. If this happens, then I will do this. For example, if I wake up at 6.30, then I will go for a walk. That's my if then plan in the morning. And there's been a slew of research on how effective these are. And they actually help you create routines by creating a contextual timed cue for when something happens to trigger your behavior. So you think about what Kieran said before. Kieran, you talked about cues. I did. And triggers. I did. By saying if, you are utilizing that trigger, which is the if, Mm -hmm. to then cue up a routine, which is the then, which will then lead to the habit formation uh, and eventually you have a reward at the end of this. Um, and I know you, you might be thinking, Kieran, that you know, this is all hocus pocus. What am I basing this on? Well, they actually did a study. Oh, oh, you've really, got me. Really if you, the moment you say study, Sam, I'm already here. So I'm ready. Yeah. Talk to me. I'm, I'm glad you are. They did a study in 2001, one of many studies on this topic. They did a study in 2001, 248 people in Great Britain, Britain trying to build better exercise habits over two weeks. And they had three groups. In group one, they had people who just went about their business and tracked how much exercise they did over the two weeks. In group two, they had a group that had to watch motivational materials, to watch a presentation about why they should exercise, the health benefits, the the improvements it can have on their cardiovascular system. And then they had group three. And group three got the same material as group two, the motivational stuff and the presentations. But then they had to write down what they were going to do, when they were going to do it, and where they were going to do it. And this was called the implementation intention. This was the if then plan. I love that. Cuz so, cuz it's almost as if like you're cuz you're actually creating the the behavior you're going to do without before actually doing it. It's almost creating that automatic loop of here is situation which is the stimulus, here's the response that I should do, and that's when we talk about like simulation. Then you practice that, it almost becomes that very clear associative relationship. So by clearly documenting that. That's um yeah. Good stuff. Oh, so I like that. So uh I I mean it gets even better when you hear the results, right? So you've got these three groups and group one and two for the next two weeks, basically 35% of them exercise at least once. So between watching motivational videos and doing absolutely nothing, there was almost no difference in the groups. Now the group who wrote down the if then plan, 91% of them exercised, 91 versus 35. So that difference of over 50% just by writing out that implementation intention, that if then, has a massive flow on effect to whether you're actually going to do a habit or not. I, I love it. How would you then recommend someone, like say I want to create this if then plan, what would you recommend I do? Yeah. So the way, the way I would do it, and you might have a different way of doing it, but I'm really simply, I go, if I, if I finish work at five, then I'm going to work out. And I, I like to think through them and just make up all these if situations. And I also use them for habits on the fly. 
or routines on the fly, you know, if it hits 2 p.m., then I'll have a green tea as opposed to having an alternative. So just constantly turning everything you want to do into an if and to a, a then, an if and then then statement is the first step. But you can actually take it a little bit further, which Kieran's going to cover a little later on. So that's my first brain tool. Brain tool number two is create an if-then plan for the habits you want to uh, ingrain into your life, which really leads into your next one, uh, brain tool number three. Brain tool number three, toi, as the French would say, which is focus on lead indicators, not the lag indicators. So, okay. set. what that means is simple, is that uh, I think this came from um, Management by Objectives by a dude called Peter Drucker, uh, and he's sort of known as the godmother of uh, management, if you will, um, for the past sort of 50, 60 years. And he basically said, a lag indicator is an outcome. It is a result. A lead indicator is the thing that leads to the accomplishment of said outcome. So you might be starting to think, wow, Kieran, there is that, that whole idea of the routine and the reward. And the whole idea here is to create a very, very clear cause and effect relationship between what you do, how you do it, and what you achieve. Now, a really, really clear example of this is your net worth. Your net worth, how much money you have, is actually a lagging measure of your financial habits. How much money you deposit uh, when you get your check coming in? Do you spend it all? Or do you just say, hey, automated 20% goes somewhere else? Another really clear example is your weight. So your weight, and we can say your overall health, like body fat percentage, et cetera, is a lagging measure for your eating and your exercise habits, the type of food that you consume, how often you exercise, what type of exercise that you do. And so your ability to actually change your outcome and therefore your identity is so tagged to the actual inputs of that. So the big takeaway for everyone here is to find of what you are looking to achieve and who you're trying to become, what are the very, very clear tangible habits or things that you would repeatedly do to get to that and track them religiously. Don't just track the outcome of 89 kilos or 98 kilos as I was. Track the stuff that's leading to the change in that number and you'll see magical things happen because you're measuring what matters. Wow, I love that, and it really ties well into what we we're talking about before with, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, which are all about, you know, lag indicators. I'm going to be this. I'm going to hit this, as opposed to saying, all right, well, what's going to get me there? Which is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly right. And that, it's, this applies to what we're doing right now as well with the podcast is in terms of, you know, let's say the, the rating that we want to achieve or how many people we want to reach, that's a lag outcome. But our habit is showing up and actually doing this podcast, getting to 10 eps, getting to 15, getting to 20. Like it, it's across all facets, both individual and group, that understanding that relationship is so, so crucial and track both of them. And that's my brain tool number three. Brain tool number three, totally inverting how we usually think about habits. And speaking about inverting, we're actually going to take a break before we come back for the next three brain tools. Stick around. We've got some really great ones, including one you've probably never thought of before. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, stick around. Let's do it. All right, great. Now we've got the last three brain tools for you. Really excited about these. I'm actually going to be a little bit selfish and take the lead, give you uh, brain tool four and brain tool five because I've got some quick ones and then Kieran's going to wrap up with uh, the, the the brain tool of all brain tools for oh, this yeah. episode. My brain tool number four 
Kieran, uh, that I think we've talked about a little bit and we've kind of alluded to it, but it's this, this concept of make the decision ahead of time. So one of my favorite neuroscientists is a neuroscientist called Moran Cerf, and he likes to talk about the fact that we kind of have different people living in our brains. And what he means by that is at different times throughout the day, different times throughout the week, throughout life, our neurochemistry, our brain, the way it functions is totally different. It's It changes the, the balance of hormones, of neurotransmitters, of peptides, uh, even down to the structure changes. And so the you that I'm talking to you now, Kieran, on a Sunday evening is not the you who's going to wake up tomorrow. So when we're making habits and when we want habits to stick, we need to be aware that the person waking up in the morning at 5 a.m. is not the same person who's going to bed at 11.30 p.m. convincing themselves that they're going to wake up and go for that five-kilometer run. So one way you can really easily counteract that difference is to make that decision ahead of time, to make it easy for that person. And, and, and one way I, I have personally done this I would be to just put on my workout gear before I go to bed. Yeah. Or I, I put a journal on my desk if I want a journal in the morning because I wake up and then I don't have to think about it. And that not having to think about it, that making that decision ahead of time for the future Sam, who is a grumpy <laughs> person at 5am and doesn't want to do the work, reduces so much of the cognitive load and, and, and applies this, this law of least effort where it's a no-brainer, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. It's the path of least resistance, right? Make it as easy as possible. And it's going to feed so nicely into my number three one, which I really love. But I, I just picked up on a point that you raised before, which is it ties really nicely in your first brain tool which is the whole idea of those if-then plans, which is if-then plans making a decision ahead of time, it makes so much sense to increase probability of desired behavior. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great link. I actually did not see that connection. That's a great, great link. Yeah, like if you want to wake up tomorrow morning and go for a run, then put your workout gear on and your runner's next to the door. Boom, using an if-then, which actually ties into brain tool number five, my last one for today. And I'm going to call this brain tool Breaking Bad. <laughs> Did you actually watch it though? No, I never watched oh, it. Oh, what? <laughs> okay, fine, 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 fine. <laughs> you got to give me that. Uh, Breaking Bad. And this is going to have more weight next week. And I'll probably retouch on this again because it's really, really groundbreaking stuff. It's the idea that when it comes to bad habits and doing things that have a negative impact on you routine-wise, whether that's drinking or staying up too late watching Netflix and you've watched the seventh episode of season two and you just want to watch that one more episode, wait. Just wait. Wait five minutes and then see if you want to take that decision. And here's why you might want to do that. By waiting for five minutes, there've been a whole slew of studies that looked at activation in that reward center. Those rewards Kieran talked about before when it comes to the, the Q routine reward, the reward center basically deactivates or it calms down over that five minute period so that by the end of it, your chance of making that same decision, and especially if it's a poor decision, watching that 10th episode of Netflix at 11.30 p.m. when you've got a big presentation in the morning, greatly reduces love it that's huge that's really interesting that's going to feed so nicely into to next week as well but it's that pause like we are so easy to feel then react but if you can create a little bit of a pause a little bit of a gap maybe the action would be different to if you didn't 
Totally. I mean, there was even a study they did in the University of Basel. They had 45 people in. They gave them uh, two time frames to make a decision. One was eight seconds. The other one is as long as possible. And they basically found that when you have more time, the instinctive, emotional decision-making processes subside and people made more logical decisions. And in this study specifically, they made more moral decisions. So when you think about habits, morals, similar kind of things, waiting. I thought just oh, that's come into my head on this because I, I really love that point is even, you know, when you're like having a conversation with someone and you get a bit fired up, this applies massively to it because you probably will end up regretting what you say. So if you're able to take a pause and take away, sort of let the emotion settle, maybe, maybe you'll lead to a better, better outcome in a relationship, in a friendship, um, which is also a form of, of habit because there's the, there's the cue, there's the reward, there's the routine all built into it as well. Absolutely. I mean, like most of our conversational antics or the way we respond in conversations are habits they're behavioral habits and uh, like those those are two small brain tools which i think are really effective and they kind of also tie into the bigger brain tool that kieran's going to present which comes from an amazing book i'm really really excited about this one oh i'm so pumped you know i am i'm itching uh, my third brain, Fanboy. <laughs> and I, I think this is a really good time to put it in because when we talk about the previous episodes that's coming to mind, sleep, we're talking about fear, we talked about well-being, habits and positive habits are a really big part of all of those. And so I, I, I sort of view this, Sam, and bring it all together is these are called the four, labit, uh, four laws of habit change. And the habit change is how do you actually create these positive habits? And it's by a guy called James Clear. Again, I really encourage people to, to pick up the book um, and go to his website, even though we're not affiliated with him. I, I really get a lot of value from it personally. I know you do too as well, Sam. But um, the four laws that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to try and apply it to my experience, um, which was particularly exercise, how I was managed to sort of lose the 14, 15 kilos in the past um, six months through uh, these four key pillars. And they're four, which is the questions you want to ask yourself if you want to form a good habit or break a bad one. How can I make it obvious? How can I make it attractive? How can I make it easy? And how can I make it satisfying? And these are the four key pillars. And what I want to do um, for the last sort of five minutes is actually go through what these questions mean and some really like clear tools within them that you that you can use and hopefully share uh, how you can do this yourself. So Sam, I'm going to start with the first one, which is how can I make it obvious? Now this yeah. obvious, which is it's the classic case of out of sight, out of mind, but in front of you, in front of your mind. And the whole idea of if you're trying to create a positive habit, you need to make it so obvious it's right in your face. And a really good example of that, and you said it before, if you want to exercise, the whole idea is putting your shoes right next to your bed. It might be writing a reminder note saying exercise tomorrow. It might be putting in four or five alarms in your phone. But making it so obvious and having so many reminders become really, really clear. And to give you an example of this, it's like habit stacking, which is something that James Clear talks about in the book. And he says that if you're trying to form a new habit, look at your existing habits from the habit scorecard and actually tag one of those new habits to it. So could you explain how how you do that? Yeah. So I'll give you one, like first, which is from brushing teeth. So the whole idea is if you want to like floss, put your uh, floss, if you will, right next to your toothbrush. And when you brush your teeth, you're more likely to see 
the, the flossing and you're more likely to do it. Again, yeah. it's a probability exercise. The same thing as we speak about with exercise. If I put my shoes next to my bed and I lay out my clothes there and I have everything there, I'm more likely to do it because it's so much easier to put on my shoes than it is to go for a run. And if you break that habit of exercise into a very linear series of sub-habits that if you complete, help you get to the point where you're actually out running on the road, that can help. And that's what works so well for me is literally I yeah. bought barbells and I'm not saying I'm, I'm buff or anything, but I put it in my room. So I'd see it every single day. I put the pull-up bar outside. So when I'd walk, I'd see it and I'd just do maybe four or five because it would cross my mind. So I put uh, things in place that allowed uh, collisions to happen where I just did that stuff and ended up uh, exercising. So that's something really clear of making it super, super obvious so you can't ignore. Mm. Does that kind of make sense? Hack your, hack your environment, right? You're hacking your environment for habits. Absolutely, through people and through structures, which leads to the second part. How yeah, can I make it attractive? Part. How can I make it attractive? Which is the whole idea of this craving. You want it to be like, I want to do this. And what James talks about, which I implement, I'll talk about this in a second, is temptation coupling. And that seems really silly, but he basically says, if you want to basically combine something you do habitually with something you don't like to do. So the classic example here is you might um, watch a certain TV show that you love only while you're at the gym, just as an example. And if you are able to couple that and make it attractive, that is a really, really clear thing. One thing I did, uh, which worked quite well for me because I kind of wanted to look a little bit better, is I had sort of a picture of you know what a good body would look like up on my mirror. And I know that seems really silly, but it was something that looked like a picture of health. And that that to me looked attractive. I was reminded, hey, that's, that's a possible sort of identity change. It's attractive uh, to me as well. And as I first started, to be honest with you, I didn't even try to run 30, 30 minutes. I did literally a two-minute run. I'd run to the bottom of the hill, I'd run up, and then I'd be done. And then I went to three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and I started really small. And that was more attractive to me than doing a 30, 40 minute run or doing an, an hour gym sesh. So making it attractive to you, whether that is making it start small or big, but uh, um, that is uh, sort of the second question, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Make, like making it something you want to do, uh, however you do that. Like I, I know personally, not to uh, take the spotlight a little bit, but I know personally <laughs> I, I always, I, I use rewards for myself. So I'll say, if I do this, then then I will get a reward and that makes me much more likely to do it. Hold on. Did you, did you just do an if then plan? I've just done an if then plan <laughs> on the fly. I love it. And um, based on what you're saying, the, the third uh, question comes in is how can I make it easy? And Sam, you just spoke about that before, but human beings will always take the path of least resistance. And your goal in trying to create mm -hmm. a new habit is to reduce the friction. The higher, it's like, a, yep. a, like doing a high jump. It's much easier to jump over, uh, a 0.2 meter bar than it is a two or three meter bar. And so lowering the barrier to entry becomes really, really clear. So it's the, I think James Clear has a really nice quote where he says, human behavior follows the law of least effort. And so the whole idea is when you reduce the friction associated with good behaviors, when the friction is low, they, those are favored. But that's the whole idea of good and bad habits. You reduce the friction for good habits, you increase the friction mm -hmm. for bad habits. And in terms of that pendulum, you're more likely to point straight to the good stuff. So that then you can basically flip it. Like how can I make it difficult to do the bad habit? Which is a really interesting implication for all these questions in that we're applying it to good things and good habits. But if you want to break bad habits, instead of how can I make it attractive, how do I make it unattractive? Instead of how do I make it we obvious, how do I make it invisible? And it becomes a really interesting way. Next week, which oh, we're yeah. going to talk about next week in addictions. I love that. Yeah, making it, making it really easy. 
to actually get it done. Spot on. And then the last question as we wrap this up is how can I make it satisfying? And the whole idea that James Clear puts forward and how I sort of internalize it is the first three laws we spoke about, make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy. They increase the odds of the behavior occurring, right? Because again, we're just trying to make it happen so that you actually repeat it often. Because the first time you do it, it's going to be different to the fifth time you do it. The fifth time is different to the 10th. And you start to form those habit loops because you're doing it more often. But the fourth law of behavior change, making it satisfying, increases the odds that the behavior will happen the next time, right? And that's the whole idea of repeating it. And so there's two really clear ways you can go about doing this. And how I did it is a habit tracker. We spoke about the Seinfeld method before. Get your calendar up. And I put it in the office. I actually put it in the office where all my colleagues could see so that I had some accountability. My, my colleagues would ask, hey, correct. They would ask, hey, Kieran, what's that about? And I'd have to tell them. And I would like be ticking this off. And the two that I was tracking was um, whether no, like no alcohol and was actually going and exercising. And I remember I had a cross in the calendar for orange, like was a cross that was orange was for exercise and a plus sign in purple was for not drinking. And I hold, what you find very clearly is it's quite satisfying to tick things things off. And what's even more satisfying is when people come and say, hey, Kieran, great job. You're 13 days, 14 days. I had colleagues, two colleagues actually now put it up for them. And it started to create, as we said, an accountability partnership, which means that you have redundancy in your model. Instead of relying on yourself and your willpower to get stuff done, you start to have a network of three or four people who would actually hold each other accountable. And that's the whole idea that becomes really clear. And I would say this is the massive thing that got me to do it again, that habit tracker, and then having people in the office, my colleagues who I respected, actually say, hey, Kieran, what happened last night? They would ask me and I don't have to be like, oh, I didn't do it. I'd feel guilty. I'd actually end up doing it that night. And uh, yeah, it worked all the way through to then leading to that sort of 14 kilos, which, you know, if I can be really frank with you, I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself to do. And I hope that's not arrogant. I just, I didn't think I'd be able to do it, but uh, here we are. And Kieran looks great. Do I? And don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Four really, uh, four really simple questions, you know, how do you make it obvious? How do you make it attractive? How do you make it easy? And how do you make it satisfying? And there you go. Good habits. Good habits. Uh, cool. I mean, that that's, I've never gone that far deep into James Clear's work and hearing it articulated that way may, makes me realize I probably should have. Uh, to wrap up those brain tools so everyone gets a recap before they go, my three were uh, what if-then plans. Number two, make the decision ahead of time. And number three, uh, to break a bad habit, wait before making that decision. I love it. And for mine, uh, perform a habit scorecard, actually take stock of your current list of habits, focus on the lead indicators, not the lag, focus on the processes, not just the outcome, and the Thor laws of habit change by James Clear. Make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and most importantly, make it satisfying. Yeah, crazy. And now uh, now i got to go build some new habits. I'm inspired. So am I. Uh, Let's do it. I'm, uh, Let's actually do it. 80-20 takeaway from this episode. What have you got for me? So mine is the classic, and you know where I was leading here, but uh, focus on process and systems over the outcomes. The outcome will take care of itself if you have a very good system pointing due north. And yourself? Yep. Uh, my 80-20 was uh, habits require planning ahead of time. Plan ahead of time for better habits. I love it. So good. That's it. So good. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this week's episode really excited for next week's episode i'm going to test kieran to see if he remembers what it's about the next episode is going to be about addiction 
So we've looked at good habits. Let's now look at the dark side of habits. Oh yeah, which is going to be really fascinating. I know all of us have addictions at the moment. Really looking forward to that. Thanks again for tuning in and listening to us. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to this tools cut of our Brain Tools podcast where you got just the six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on any podcast channel you're on, iTunes, podcast, Spotify, and more. And if you really, really want to help us out, please leave us a review. It helps us so much to reach more people just like you. And finally, if you want to go a little bit deeper and dig into the research, see some free classes and guides, come and join our free community at braintools.mn.co. Can't wait to see you next week.